Hey, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of Ave Spotlight. Today, we are going to be visiting with Regina Boyd, and we are going to talk all about the five stages of change and how to take action. So Regina, thank you so much for being with us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for having me, Chanel. Yeah, I'm a licensed therapist. I work in out of Orlando. I have a practice here. We do a lot of work with families, couples, and teens, and it's a lot of fun. Awesome. So during this past year, how has your practice looked? How has it been being a therapist in the past like 12 months? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I actually was providing a lot of virtual online therapy before the pandemic, which is kind of funny. And I remember the conversation about that being really different of basically having to convince people like this actually can be helpful. Like Mm. it's convenient. You don't have to leave your house. You know, you don't have to be in traffic to get me. And a lot of people were very skeptical. I'm like, I don't know, like, this is weird. I would rather just be in person. And then obviously when the pandemic happened, then everyone was forced to be online anyway. So I had a few, you know, kind of, I don't know, cutting edge people who were willing to give virtual a try (laughs) pre-pandemic. And then I had a, a lot of people who were, you know, hesitant, but willing to try it out given the pandemic. So Yeah, a lot of people that I work with now, I would say the biggest difference is I have a lot more people who are open to working online and have actually kind of enjoyed it and come to the place where they feel like they prefer it to, you know, previously when we were meeting in person. So it's been kind of, it's an interesting dynamic, the flexibility that it provides. That's awesome. So we are so grateful that we have you as like a guest today and we have had you before. And so it's just so awesome to be able to talk to you. We've been trying to focus a lot of obvious Spotlight episodes. We've been really trying to focus in on special episodes regarding our mental health, things we can do to better ourselves. So why would you say, and this is putting you on the spot to really like <laughs> blast how awesome these mental health episodes are. What would you say the importance of kind of discussing and putting a spotlight on mental health issues and kind of betterment of ourselves? What do you think the importance of that is? I think one of the things that's so important about it is it's hard to recognize. It's not easy to see like you would, you know, somebody with a broken leg or diabetes, you know, getting your insulin tested, you know, it's kind of hard to really measure mental health. And so I think what's really important about talking about it is it helps people recognize if they're experiencing some symptoms so that they can go get help. I mean, if they're, if you're unaware and you just feel like, oh, I'm, you know, just had a bad few days or something and you try to brush it off. And then, you know, that can really exacerbate and create larger problems down the road. So I think that's the number one thing is just to make sure that we're aware of what could be going on with us, what we could be experiencing so that we can get help and, and do something about it. I love that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much again for everything that you're about to share. So today we're going to talk about the five stages of change. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the five stages of change are something we learn in school to be trained as therapists. And so we have families that we work with people who come in at all different stages of change. So it's really helpful to know where someone is at and helpful for you to know where you're at when you're trying to make a big decision in life. So I'll go through them briefly and then we can kind of break it down a little bit more. The first stage is pre-contemplation. And that means the person at that point is really unaware. They are just live in life, not aware that there could be any issue at all with a behavior. So somebody 
with some type of addiction is a good example. Like they're not interested in making a change. They're living life and using whatever substance that they're using at that time. The next stage is contemplation. And so now someone's at the point where they're thinking about making a change. They're maybe seeking information or support, learning what resources are available. So if you have that substance abuse issue, you might start looking online about help or thinking about changing jobs. You're on job sites. You're not necessarily applying. You're just sort of looking and seeing what's available. The next stage is preparation. This is when you actually are planning to make a change. You're gathering more confidence and you have more resources and you're actually starting to make a plan. What would I do if I actually change jobs? And you're preparing for that change, getting everything in place. What do I, who do I need to contact and inform about this? What's the timeline? What do I need to do and in what order? Once you go through those three stages, then we have action and taking action is those positive steps towards making the change, actually putting the plan into practice. So taking steps to reduce consumption of alcohol, for example, to actually apply for a job, go to the interview. So you're taking those positive steps towards making an actual change. And then you have maintenance is the last stage where you're achieving results It becomes a part of your normal life. It's really easy to avoid those substances that you were abusing. You're in the new job. You're living a new, different life. There's also a sixth kind of trip hidden stage (laughs) to five stages (laughs) that they talk about, and it's relapse or Mm. recurrence. So you experience a recurrence of whatever those symptoms are. Maybe I made a mistake and I should go back to my old job. There's temptations to use a substance again, whatever it might be. And so your primary task, if the recurrence stage comes up, is to cope with what's going on and really determine what to do next. Those old patterns, even though they creep in and can be a temptation sometimes, a lot of times people get worried when that happens to them. They've made all this progress and then they're like, oh my gosh, all of these things are coming back. Does this mean I'm back at square one? And that's not the case at all. Just Mm. your main task in that phase is to create solutions to bring back those new healthy patterns that you had already been developing so you can get back to that maintenance stage. So it's just about kind of like a triage in the moment, like crisis, like all hands on deck, let's redirect the ship so we can get back to where we already were. So I kind of think of it as like a speed bump thing, like you're driving forward in the road You're still going forward. You're on the path to where you want to go, but you just maybe hit a speed bump, Mm. something like that. You're not off in the ditch. You know, you're not way off. (laughs) That's hopeful. (laughs) That's better than thinking like, oh gosh, I have to start all over again. I don't know how many times it's even something like I'm going to confession and I'm sitting in there and I'm confessing the same thing. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just, yeah, it just feels like you are defeated. So that's awesome. That's hopeful. Absolutely. So that's a perfect example of you being in a maintenance stage, right? You're actively working. You have a plan. You've taken action. Like you're doing something about it, but every now and then something comes up, right? So those are, yeah, those are the five, six-ish stages in a nutshell. (laughs) Oh, sweet. Awesome. Well, let's break them down then. What does every stage look like for us? I know that you could probably talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but let's break each one down so we can apply it to ourselves. 
Yeah. I think the main thing I want to focus on is the taking action. I think it's really helpful to think about. So if you're in the middle of discerning something right now, some change in your life, think about those stages. What stage am I in? Am I maybe your pre-contemplation, you're unaware that you need to be discerning anything, but if you Mm. actually are discerning, you're at least at the contemplation stage, you're thinking about it, you're seeking information. Are you in the preparation stage? Are you planning? Are you gathering more confidence towards that decision? Or are you at the action stage? Maybe you've already made that decision, made action, and now your role is maintenance to keep that going. So sometimes it's helpful to just think about my situation in life and where Mm. am I at? And then therefore, how should I respond based on where I might be in this discernment of whatever it is I'm trying to think about where I'm, where I'm being led. As far as taking action goes, that's the tough one because mm. people just get really overwhelmed. Like, okay, I have to discern, you know, should I go back to school? Should I go back to graduate school or should I, you know, join a religious life or something mm. like that? And it's, they get really overwhelmed about you know, what should I do with my life? And now I have to make all of these decisions. And I say the first step to taking action is to start small. So do focus on one thing and make sure you do that one thing well before you add too much to your plate. Because anytime we look at a situation or an issue, it can be really overwhelming and we get lost in, oh my gosh, I have to do these 20 things if I make this next step. Like, how do I know? And it actually prevents us from making decisions sometimes. So I think that's key. Mm. Focusing on the present, what's happening in your life right now, as opposed to worrying about, oh my gosh, if I make this decision, what are the consequences going to be down the road? What's happening in your life right now? And how should you respond based on what's happening in your life right now in this present moment? Or sometimes we get lost in the past, right? These things happened. I wish I had done this differently now. Oh my gosh, you know, and almost correcting a past decision. And I want to take that pressure away from you to think about what's done is done. And the beautiful part is we can always make adjustments and we can uh, not have to wait until everything's absolutely perfect to make that decision. We can just move forward. And that's Mm. the thing that I think is huge is courage. You know, I think that's a huge virtue in taking action is the courage it takes. Sometimes peace comes after we make a decision. So this is advice I got from a spiritual director once upon a time, discernment of spirits, St. Ignatius. He's awesome. Yes. Shout out, you know, (laughs) all that good stuff. (laughs) One of the things he recommends in the rules is sometimes you have to make a decision to find out where the peace lies. Oh my gosh. That's, um, That's pretty scary. (laughs) Exactly. I know. Yes. (laughs) So sometimes it's helpful to decide on something and you could even try it on, try it on for a day, a week and say, okay, for the next few days, I'm going to live as if I've made the decision to go back to school or I made the decision to join religious life, whatever it is, or I've made whatever decision and see if the peace rests upon you. You live and act as if that's everything that's happening. It doesn't mean you announce to the world that that's what your decision is, but sort of internally have that sense of discernment about you and take actions in that direction. And sometimes that's really helpful because you can start on that path and all of a sudden have a lot of disquiet and lack of peace and be hitting a lot of walls. And that's where 
the Holy Spirit can guide you in those moments and say, oh, actually, that wasn't a good decision. Now I can pivot. Mm. That's that's the good news is that was only a few days, a week where you were moving in that direction. And it's very easy to correct that. Mm. <laughs> and so it takes a lot of courage because we're worried about being wrong in those decisions. So I think when we take action, when we're discerning and making a big change, there's a lot of humility that needs to be there to get our pride out of the way, to be worried about making that wrong decision. We risk a ton of vulnerability in doing that. We risk being wrong. And so sometimes we might make a decision and realize it's wrong and we have to pivot, but in a way that's kind of a good thing because it's developing our humility <laughs> in the process. So mm. it's a win-win it's there. <laughs> yeah. And so just to have the courage to persevere through that anyway, sometimes can be really helpful. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And something you said really resonated with me, the future thinking of thinking, you know, I don't want to make a decision because I don't really know what is going to happen then, like in a month or in a week, or if, if in a year I'm still going to like this thing, or if I'm still going to do this thing. I mean, for me, it really paralyzes me and not really doing anything different. I'm as, you know, as I'm sure a lot of people say, I'm a creature of habit. So I like to do things the way I like to do things. And it's really hard for me to make changes because I get so scared of what would happen. So what would you say to someone that wants to get out of that mindset and kind of move forward <laughs> with different things in their lives? Yeah, I first want to give some words of encouragement. Like you are worthy of that, of, mm. you know, you owe it to yourself in a way of having the life that you desire. The Lord puts desires in our heart for a reason. So you're worthy of making a decision and making a change in your life. Obviously, prayer is helpful, but it gives us a mental break of overthinking. So, so prayer can mm. be really great in slowing those thoughts down where we can get really bogged down to be patient with ourselves, essentially being forgiving with yourself. Like it's okay to not know <laughs> mm. we don't have crystal balls, unfortunately, unless you're, you know, a saint with like, you know, one of the prophets where, you know, God's <laughs> giving you like straight up, you know, information. <laughs> I'm but, sure there's um, someone out there that's like, I heard God tell me not to make a decision. <laughs> it's so funny. Cause it's just, it seems like one of those things where it is really so hard to, make a choice sometimes. And I think sometimes the conflict is, is that you feel in your heart that you want to make a change, but then your brain is kind of like, well, practically this, this, and this, and this, <laughs> you know, or it's the opposite where some people are like, okay, practically this isn't working for me. I need more money. I need more time. I need to do more things for myself. But then your heart is like, well, you owe these people more of this. And like, if you did this, they think you're mean. And if and it's just like this interesting conflict, I think, that's in each one of us. Have you ever had to kind of talk with someone through that? And how? what would you say to that? Oh, yeah. I think it really comes down to your life. And this is a tricky one as Catholics because we are called to be in service to one another, to mm. give of ourselves. And so there's a very thin line here <laughs> where you know, hope that people hear the love in what I'm about to say. <laughs> but <laughs> mm -hmm. when we think about taking care of ourselves and our needs, that does not mean that we are, you know, not 
being in service to others necessarily. And so obviously that can be taken to extremes where, you know, somebody's really conceited or only thinking about themselves in a selfish mm. way, but very selflessly, if we're being good stewards of who we are, the life we've been given, if we're being good stewards of our health, our mental health, that's going to give us the opportunity to be more emotionally available to others in the long run. It's going to help us be more effective of being present to others when the time comes. And so we have to get really clear about where those lines are for us and not necessarily just be constantly running on empty. Mm. The Holy Spirit certainly can give uh, to provide and give some holy energy and fill in the gaps here and there. But I think it's also really important to be mindful of how we're caring for ourselves in the midst of that too. And it doesn't mean that we're not being good Catholics when we do that. That's Ooh. that's my personal opinion anyway. <laughs> Ooh, that's oh, what a challenging thought though, you know, because yeah. I mean, it, what you're saying is so true. It is a holy work to take care of yourself. And I think what you're saying is so true. And I mean, there's such a interesting conversation that happens in Catholic circles of what is the line of, you know, self-care is self-care even something that we should regard really, you know, because is that Mm -hmm. just kind of thinking about yourself too much and then serving others because we're all called to have servant hearts. So then what is the kind of line there? And I have a lot of friends and myself included where when we want to do something for ourselves purely out of wanting to do it for ourselves, not in the extreme of wanting to be conceited or whatever, there's this like huge turmoil that we feel inside of ourselves where we're like, oh, I can't do that because I just can't. It seems insane to want to do that thing. Even if it is like a positive change in moving forward for myself, it just seems so selfish, you know? So Mm. there's, it's just so interesting to kind of get out of that selfishness that idea of selfishness that actually doesn't exist is stopping us from making positive changes in our own life. And so it's just, it's just so crazy. You know, it is a holy work to take care of yourself, but I think there's not a lot of that conversation happening, at least in, in Catholic circles. And we're trying to reframe that idea. So that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking of mother Teresa and the missionaries of charity, like they serve to the core, like they work themselves to the bone, helping everyone in need. And yet they still take time in prayer every day in that chapel. And they have that alone time to connect with Jesus, which you could argue is self-care. You could. Yeah. So there's to all the people that are like, you don't need that. That is so interesting. Yeah. I mean, they're not literally working 24 hours around the clock, helping someone else. They have Mm. that time, you know, as a community and and to themselves. So the action piece then of the stages of change, would you say that's of all the stages, would you say that that is the most challenging part or is it the maintenance part? Because as you were talking, I was kind of like, man, maintenance seems to be where I always kind of get stuck. And it's just the kind of keeping up on a new routine, keeping up on a new habit, motivating myself finding, you know, whatever. And that's just kind of where I get stuck. But what would you say is the most challenging stage? Honestly, I think taking action is the most challenging, but they both have their different challenges. Like action helps you combat fear, right? It can Mm. be really scary 
but you have that opportunity to see what you're capable of. And that's where people can get stuck because they get worried about making that the right decision, quote unquote, and they don't get that opportunity to really see what they can do. Maintenance is a different challenge because you are essentially building on that. So you've got that initial fear out of the way, but it's about keeping it for the long term. But I feel like the mental game isn't there as much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're That's, right. Yeah, my two cents. Because you can start calling in help. Like, you know, have a friend help you. Mm-hmm. You can do more research to help, you know, keep up whatever it is that decision is. You can make adjustments. Mm. I feel like um, the actual decision itself was really, really tough. I don't know, but it could be different for everybody. Yeah, so. I was like, I mean, you're yeah. probably right. You are also the professional. I think, yeah, the maintenance piece is what always hangs me up because it's hard to make a change, right? Even if it's a positive change for yourself, for me, and then for me to continue to affirm myself that I made the good decision and that I need to keep kind of going in the trajectory of forward yeah, is kind of hard. Even something as simple as like setting a boundary. Yeah. You know, setting a boundary is really scary for me. And yeah. it just constantly makes me feel like I'm hurting someone's feelings, even if it's a positive change and even if I know it's appropriate to do it. But then afterwards, after I set the boundary, which I got over the scariest part, it's like, Okay, well, now I'm not going to call this person every day. And now I'm going to like remember that I don't have to text them every two minutes. And I have to remember that like it's okay if I go this place by myself. And it's just like that constant, like, okay, it's okay. Like, remember, like, it's fine. It's okay. Like, remember to stand up for yourself. And oh my gosh, it's just like, you know? Yeah, the daily grind of it is definitely a challenge. (laughs) And I think it probably depends on what that change is. So I think boundaries is a great example because if you get pushback from somebody, right? So say you set a boundary and they're not very appreciative of that boundary, Mm. then that makes it even more challenging for you to maintain it, right? Because now somebody's upset with you and that's harder to keep that versus, you know, okay, I apply for a new job and then I get the job then it's kind of done. You already made the decision, right? It's Mm -hmm. not something you're necessarily maintaining other than making sure you show up for your job (laughs) every day. Yeah. So yeah, I would say depending on the situation, that's a very good point is, you know, the difficulty in maintenance would vary depending on what that changes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, gosh, well, you have me really motivated because I have been trying to make, I think I'm still in the contemplation stage of knowing that like I need to make a change and not wake up every day and immediately watch like YouTube videos and like immediately put on the television because I wake up every morning and I feel like my brain is inundated with things. And you know, when you like, have you ever closed your eyes and just like heard like the TV and like people talking and music and it's just like so much noise all the time. I still think I'm in the stage of knowing that I need to change my life in that way, but not in the action stage yet of actually making a change and like moving my phone to a different part of my room and like not moving my remote and like not being in that same space. So definitely inspiring to me to like want to make an actual change in my life because I see that there's a a sun on the other side (laughs) of the inundation of content. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. Where can we find out more information about the five stages of change, how we can kind of better ourselves in that way and just like hear more of what 
the wisdom that you have. So the five stages of change, there's lots of books and information anywhere. So if you do searching on the internet, you it will come up so easily. So there's lots of books and information out there. Yeah. So I would say go there. Or, you know, I have videos where I've talked about it as well. So you can find me on social media, sweet Instagram and Facebook, all that good stuff. Sweet. Awesome. And we'll put your social media in our show notes so people can check that out. At the end of every episode, though, we ask each guest what their hope for the week is. So it can be something that you're hopeful for, something you're looking forward to. If you need time to think about it, I can go first. Otherwise, if you're ready, you can go. How are you feeling? You you go for it. <laughs> okay. Hmm. So my hope for the week is like I was saying earlier, my hope is that I can wake up every day for at least a week. Let me set myself realistically. For a week, I'd like to wake up and not open my phone first thing when I wake up. Yesterday, I woke up and I cracked open a book as soon as I woke up. And it was kind of intense. Like I cracked open a book on boundaries and it kind of made me sad. So maybe I'll like place <laughs> replace it with like Chronicles of Narnia or something. I'll read something else. So my hope yeah. is that I can wake up at least for a week and not immediately look at my phone first thing. And that I can validate myself with like some literature or like some hollow notes or something else that is positive. So that's mine. How about you? That's actually a really good one. I like that one a lot. Oh, <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I, I actually, as you're talking, I'm realizing, oh, wow, I'm kind of in a contemplation stage about something too. And I need to maybe start preparing, making a plan to take action. Mm. But yeah, I've kind of been uh, thinking about adding something new to my practice. So offering a new service. And um, yeah, hopefully by the end of the week, I can maybe have a plan laid out where I take some more steps in that direction instead of just thinking about it. So I need to take my own advice. <laughs> oh, no, that's awesome. You know, you've inspired me. Now I'm thinking, now I'm going to tell my mom, Stacy, my thinking is a part of a stage of a change. I am not constantly, I'm not wasting time thinking. I'm actually being very productive. So yeah, you're thank actually you so much. on the second stage, right? So, so yeah, you're, so you're doing I'm, it. See? I'm doing good work. So but thank you so much. And <laughs> we're looking forward to talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you guys again for listening. And thank you to Regina for being our guest. Make sure to check out more information about what Regina's up to at reginaboyd.com where you can also learn about Boyd Counseling Services. Boyd Counseling Services is a Catholic licensed mental health practice based right here in Orlando that provides in-person and virtual therapy for couples, families, and teens. Boyd Counseling Services works with clients who are experiencing life changes, desire healthy emotional connection, and seek to develop problem-solving strategies within their relationships. They offer workshops, coaching, and online courses, and they also have a free downloadable ebook, which can be found at their website. So make sure to check that out. In the meantime, I'm looking forward to talking to y'all next week. Please say a prayer for me. I'll be praying for you. God bless. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.